Hey, what's going on, everybody? Matt Weber back here uh, recording session number two. Had an amazing time uh, with with uh, our first episode, and uh, it was just a really fun time. Uh, excited about the content for today. Uh, before we get back to it, though, uh, Jonathan, what's going on, dude? Welcome back. Hey, thanks. Yeah, I'm doing great, man. Man, how was your weekend? It's good. It's good. It's nice and warm. You know, for Montana, I'm, we're going to pay for it later, but we're joining now. Is that with the kids in t-shirts? Right. Playing in the yards. So Definitely need some more snow. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be a firebox here in Montana this summer. Oh, yeah. Normally, we're, what, knee-deep in snow? Right. Min- minus 20 right now? Right. And it was, it's what? 60 it was, degrees. Yeah, yeah. 50s. <laughs> yeah. I right. even thought about going outside and running outside right. in shorts. Yep. Yeah. But uh, are, you, are you feeling better? You were sick last time. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, just kind of feeling some residual effects, but now the whole family's got it. So, um, oh, oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, um, <laughs> um, a two and a half month old catching a uh, catching a head cold and a chest cold and all that fun stuff is oh. uh, it takes a toll on the sleep. So. Yeah, Yeah, it's no fun. But uh, anyway, uh, enough about uh, sickness. Uh, Hopefully, (laughs) (laughs) hopefully all y'all out there uh, are feeling pretty good. So anyway, uh, jumping right into this thing again, super excited about what it is that we're talking about today. For those of you that are on social media, which I would venture to bet is most everybody. Yeah, here's a couple, man. I'm, uh, I, don't my, I don't know. I don't know him. I think my dad. My dad is the only <laughs> yeah. one that I know of that is not yeah. on social media. Yeah, just check. He just uses somebody else's. Check. Right. Exactly. Yeah, hey, will okay. you look? Will yeah. you will you look at this person for me? Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, if you've been on social media, you've seen you know you've seen the Richard Branson, you've seen the Gary V memes, uh, sayings, quotes of you know take care of your cousin. Or excuse me, that that was wrong. Yeah. Take care, of, <laughs> t- take care of your employees, and they'll take care of your customers. Um, and that's all you know. That's awesome, and and I believe that one hundred percent. But it's it's really cool for a company to be able to say that. But what what does that look like? Like, how do you put that? How do you how do you quantify what that looks like in a company? How do you how do you how do you say? Or how do you show that you're an employee, uh, an employee first company, as opposed to a customer? And I don't think they're mutually exclusive, because I think as 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 we talk this thing out through this throughout this podcast, that you can be both, but you have to be employee minded first, because your employees then take care of your customers. Yeah. Well, you're, you're speaking from an owner management perspective, right? Sure. I mean, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's. That's where, that's where I come from. That's yeah. where my brain comes yeah. from, I guess. Yeah, that's the seat you're sitting in. Yeah. No, no, I think you're correct. It's not that you like shoving your customers off to the side. Um, you're speaking as an owner slash manager operator. Who is first to you? And so, yeah, there's definitely pros and cons of both. But Right. Yeah. I'd say, I know what you mean about being a meme. But what you're asking is how do we put like flesh on that bone how do, how do we how do we fill out that skeleton how do we but what can we do tangibly right like what does that look like right yeah, absolutely because it comes down to culture i think a lot of people uh think that um that culture like is having fun like you know oh man that company's got great culture you hear that a lot like they you hear about a company and invest a lot of time and money into culture right and people you know as if it's optional 
and is like, well, let's add this piece. Let's add the cultural piece. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, you have a culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you have a heartbeat. Is it good or bad? Yeah. Um, so yeah, and they they just kind of think it's all like fun and games, right? So like we're gonna have a great culture. So we're gonna add beer thirty. You know, you know, like being facetious. Like we're just gonna have fun and games to it. It's not. It's more than that. It's it's because that that's very superficial. That that might last for a weekend or a month, but like. I think what you're getting at is how do the employees know that the owner is more concerned about them as a human than necessarily the bottom line. Right. Because honestly, I mean, that's, I think that's what you're after, right? That's what we're. Yeah. That's definitely the direction that I'm, that I'm wanting to go with, with this um, for sure. Uh, because really your, your front draw, your front line via get our employees, our technicians, our people answering our phones, our people dealing with, um, accounts receivables, accounts payables. They're our front line. Yeah. They drive the bottom line. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. And so, um, the more you take care of them, the more, the more they they take care of their customers. And in, in my opinion. And so, yeah, I think your culture drives that from an ownership and management level. Uh, the number one thing I can think of as far as uh, establishing your culture is a level of accountability and a level of trust with your team. Right. Um, You have to have that. Otherwise your culture is already dead. It's, it's already a toxic culture. It's already something that is a, is a negative drive. Yeah. 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 The culture definitely is like a multi, multi-layered onion. There's so many facets to it. It's not, it's not one thing. Um, working on a pot, uh, blog right now. and Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, this is a great place right now to plug that. Sorry. I meant to do that earlier. I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, yeah. I'm just leading you along to promote myself. Um, <laughs> now, I'm working on that, that, that blog. I'm calling it uh, Until Lambs Become Lions. And I've got, I've got a couple ideas. I'm moving along with that. And one of them is culture. And one of, one of the, the, the articles that I'm writing is culture. It's all fun and games. That's part one. And part two is culture. It's not all fun and games. Because what makes great culture is like, yeah, you know, you'd have fun. And it's fun to watch the team get together at 530 on a Friday um, somewhere downtown and hang out. And see all the social media posts of the fact that they are, they do get along well. And they have a great time. They got great chemistry in and out of the office. But at the same time, that can become toxic. It's not just about having fun if you let them walk in five minutes late all the time. Or... You know, you don't, you don't have that intentional, aggressive accountability. And I'm learning that they crave that. They don't, they don't see that as a bad thing at all. They like being held accountable. And so there's so many layers of, of uh, everything that can create a toxic culture can be turned on its head to create a healthy culture. Because you can, you can do accountability in a very cynical way, yeah. very, very accusatory way, or you can do accountability in a very affirming, validating, uh, person-building kind of way. I agree with that a hundred percent. And it's all about the, I think the approach that you take with, uh, with that, but you have to have credibility with that employee to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, you have to build a rapport with them to be able to, to hold them accountable. We hire people to come in and do a job. Yes. I operate a business. I'm in it to make money. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say that I operate a business to make money. Otherwise, what's the point in operating a business? However, I think 
um, the level at which you engage your employees defines what you can and are able to do as a business. Yeah. Okay. Let, so let me, let me play off of that. Um, two things. Um, the first one is, okay. So I've been involved with foster kids for a long time and adopted four of them. My wife and I adopted four of them finally. And so for 15 years, we've been dealing with teenagers, uh, little kids, everything South Carolina. And I'm in- sorry. <laughs> no, okay. Hey, Hey, yeah, that was a little too close to the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we've been dealing with, you know, with kids and caring for them. And it's interesting. Um, when I was, I think I'm 42 now. And I think I was about 38. I got a text, a picture from one of my kids. I'm using air quotes in South Carolina. One of my boys that lived with me for a few years. And it said, I want to introduce you to your grandson. And his girlfriend had had a little boy. Obviously very moving, very emotional moment for me. Because in the moment, you don't think you're making a difference. You don't think anything's happening. But one of the things I realized was I hadn't been around him for quite a few years since he had graduated high school and and stayed in South Carolina. He moved here to Montana. But it's really interesting uh, to look back and realize that this is going to sound cheesy, but put years and tears into these people, into these children, into these that become adults. And that, to a certain extent, gives you relational and emotional capital that you can spend. And I think that's what you're talking about. You earn the right. You earn the respect. You handle situations well. And it allows you to be have much more candor. Like, like if you go to a new employee and go, I don't like that, right? If you, if you say, I don't like that. If you say, I don't like... This is, this is, these, aren't, these aren't good numbers. That's not the best way to do this. Uh, a relatively new employee is going to be like, well, well you know what they're going to say. <laughs> uh, well, what do you want from me? Yeah, exactly. They're, you know, like throw their hands up, especially if you, maybe you can get away with it once, maybe twice. But after that, you're, you're, you're putting out a classified ad for a different, you know, to refill the position. Mm-hmm. But if you put the, as I said, you know, as we say with our kids, years and tears into them, you've earned the right because they know you truly care. Right. That when you say that's not good enough, there's all this historical context. There's all this relational, emotional, psychological context that you've built, the scaffolding that you've built that goes around that, that allows you to say that. I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, and the second one is questions. Matt, have you ever had somebody come up to you, ask you a question, and you can tell from the tone, the, the phraseology, the tone, everything, that there's an answer you're supposed to be giving them? Oh, 100%. How much do you like that? I abhor it yes uh, like there's i was gonna give a small <laughs> answer there but <laughs> I, yeah I, and i think anybody you me everybody here in our company everybody listening to this you know when someone is has a leading question oh yeah just you just get you get flush inside yeah. you, you know what you're after and i don't i think i know what you're after but maybe i don't and that is the most frustrating thing yeah like just like when you're trying to prove a point with a question and that it's very accusatory. It's very toxic. And I've heard you do it. And I try to, I try to mimic it around here, uh, which is not to do that. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say I've heard you yeah, do well, that. I was, oh, oh, I was wondering I heard... where you were going with that. Hold on a second. Okay. Back up. <laughs> Please explain back yourself. Up, back up. There's a right way to ask questions. That's what I've heard you do. And I, I think I'm, I've learned to do it myself. I've learned to do it with my, my, my own family here, which is ask an honest question and value the feedback. Well, I appreciate that. And don't feel a need to correct it. Because just because you're the owner of the boss, the manager in a small business, 
in no way means you know what's right or best. You might know what's good, but there's good, better, best. And just because you know the good or the better, you know, the person you hired who gets paid less than you or whatever doesn't have much responsibility actually might know the best. And I think that feeds into them feeling that they're valued. That, and then that, in turn, feeds into the customers that take care of them. They take care of the client, the customer. Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, I'll be the first one to admit that I definitely don't know everything that there is to know about business. Um, and I am, I'm 100% a firm believer in hiring people to do it uh, that can do things better than you. Uh, everybody has uh, strengths. Everybody has weaknesses. Um, and so when you know your weakness, I, I think it's counterproductive to focus on your weaknesses and try to build up your weaknesses and forsake your strengths. Why not just play to your strengths? Yeah. And I think that's, um, I think that's an important part of personal development is playing to your strengths and finding somebody else that's good at your weaknesses right. <laughs> and, and paying them to do what you're not good at. Um, and so that kind of leads, that kind of leads me into, uh, the, the next point of, uh, you know, p- kind of playing off what we were just talking about of, of that, that emotional connection and getting that permission to, um, to then to have those conversations of, Hey, that's not good enough. Um, and it, and it not being uh, a major ordeal in that employee's life um, or in the day or you having to put out a classified ad to, to bring that in. Um, a lot of companies um, really, they walk a fine line and they're nervous to break over from the professional to the personal aspect uh, of their, uh, of their employees' lives. Yeah. They don't want to know what's going on, <laughs> you know? And so it's, it's one of those things that is, and it can be dangerous if not done right. right. You know, if you don't have the best interest of your employees in mind, don't do it. Oh, you mean if you're just, if you're just <laughs> prying for information, right. yeah, <laughs> don't, don't yeah. do it. Um, but if you, if you truly care for the people that you employ, you truly care for the people that, they are trying to take care of um, because not only do you employ them, not only are you trying to take care of them as an employer, but you are taking care of who they take care of because you are supplying their income. Yeah. I remember and that's a huge responsibility. I remember when that kind of hit me, it is like every, every decision you make as a manager and, and you as the owner have even more responsibility that, that on your shoulders that I, you know, that I'm not interested in <laughs> yet. <laughs> so, but, but but, you know, you have, yeah, you're right. You're just not impacting that one person because the pay scales that you set up, the responsibilities you give them, the work schedule you put up, you put out there, the way you handle it, the way you handle when they can't get to something, the concern you put into their kids' elementary school program that happens at 10 a.m., every decision you make doesn't just impact that person that, that you employ. It impacts everyone who sits around their dinner table. Yeah. And who looks up to them as their hero. Yep. You are, as a manager, as an owner, you are directly influencing and impacting and helping a hero. Absolutely. Yes. You are, you are helping that dad, that mom, married, single, whatever. You are helping them be somebody's hero. And that 
you cannot forget that that matters. That's huge. That's huge. And that, um, man, Ooh, that just gave me chills. Uh, that's uh, and that's a, that's a pretty cool. Um, and it's a, that's a real big, huge responsibility and, and not something to be taken lightly for sure. Um, there's many ways to, to cross over from that professional into that personal relationship. Um, if I can say it that way across the board, one of the ways that we do it, um, that we get permission from them to, to cross over and, and to care about their personal lives is the, is the five by fifties. Right. And, um, this is, this is a real cool thing, um, that, uh, that Jonathan actually came up with. Uh, to do um, with the with the employees coming into our company it's it's not a requirement uh, for hiring but it's well I'll let you explain it yeah no 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 sure I, I brought him with me to alpha because I have five things I'm not gonna go through them all but I have five things um, that I want my life to look like by the time I'm 50 that's what the five by 50 means right and it's a mental picture for me I can see myself and it's very much connected to my kids and my family what do I see? What kind of things do I see myself doing and being and being capable of doing with them for them at 50 years old? Uh, at that point, I'll have one in their early 20s and then early teens. You know, they're, they're kind of spread, they're spread all through there. Um, and so what, what do I see myself doing with them? And, that, and that's one of the reasons why when, when you were, reached out to me and we began our conversation about me joining the team here, um, and there were multiple interviews going on even at other places, a major part of my decision is which, which opportunity do I see best helping me accomplish my life goals, my five by fifties. And so I just brought them with me. And honestly, man, I can't even tell you how it started. I can't tell you how it started. I can't tell you, I can't remember who the first one was that I did them with. But I basically just, I started and now everyone does them. You included. Mm-hmm. Everyone has written them down. It's five things you want your life to look like when you're 50 years old. And so obviously, like you said, it's not a requirement for, for, for being hired for employment here. But it is strongly encouraged. Right. Uh, we, don't, we can't make you, but we will annoy you to death <laughs> <laughs> until you hand them in. And all, without exception, I don't think I've had a single person that I've talked about, except for maybe yourself, who has had great life coaching and business coaching and stuff have any idea what I'm talking about. Well, and I had my own version of yeah. them before, you know, um, right. as, as I did my own thing right. throughout the course of, of my life and what I wanted it to look like. But yeah. Yeah. Because, because I think a lot of people are just working a job to pay the bills. They're not working mm-hmm. a job to pursue a dream and you tell them a dream is possible. And so I sit down with them. They might be 22. They might be 35. They might be 42. And I say, Hey, what do you want? Five things you want your life to look like when you're 50. Let's get them written down on paper and let's take a look at them. And, and I want them to see something. And without exception, the first their first cut, I tell them it's not good enough. Let's go back to that. And, and the reason it's not good enough is they're too they're too ambiguous. They're too subjective. They'll say things like, "I just want to be a, you know, I want to be a, a married and have two kids, or I want to be a faithful husband, or I want to be, you know, I, that kind of a thing. Like I want to be financially secure. And oh, that's great. That's a, that's fantastic. Let's let's make let's be more specific. Let's get some. Details. Put a, put a number. Yeah, put a, put number. a number to it. Put a number to that. Put a, put a vision to that. Because huh. uh, let me give you an example of one that was turned in. Uh, one of our one of our um, employees handed one in. One of their five by fifties was they want to take a one month backpacking trip in Ireland with their children by the time they're fifty. That's specific. That's very. They specific. can see them hiking the coastline. You know, yep. they can see them hiking um, along the rocky coastline and through the mountains. And 
you know, I mean, I'm thinking like, I don't know what I'm thinking. I'm seeing that I'm seeing it being cloudy. Maybe it doesn't rain all the time, <laughs> but like rolling green hills. You see what I'm saying? Right. Like, and I, that is not one of my five by fifties. But I bet when I said that to you, a one month backpacking trip in Ireland, your mind created a picture. Oh, yeah. You saw it from your point of view, basically a movie with your family backpacking. Oh, yeah. And that's what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. And so the, by writing them down, they're saying it with their mouth gate. They're seeing it with the eye gate. They're hearing it with their ear gate. It's all getting processed. And then imagine turning five of those in. Imagine, you know, I want to own a business. A lot of them want to own businesses. They want to have like these either main businesses or side gigs, which makes Alpha a stepping stone. Right. But hey. I'm good with that. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, not to be selfish, but you have somebody who's that driven, that ambitious, that goal focused. So they're not here in 10 years. You know what kind of benefit that is to Alpha? Absolutely. As they're pursuing that. And so Absolutely. What that, I think what it does, Matt, is when they hand them in, and we, we, look, we look at them, we talk about them, and they finally get the, the five right. They're very specific. That's what the point then I think you're referring to where we ask permission. Like now, okay, I'm asking permission to be involved in your personal life because I want to help you do these. We all need help. None of us is an island. And I want us to structure your career that helps you accomplish these. I want to be understanding of you. I, if I see you doing something in your personal life, that is not going to help you accomplish these. Can I say something? They're they're in essence giving you permission to hold them accountable to those goals, to those life goals. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that I mean, so yeah, there's there's again, there's many ways, and that's just that's just one of the ways that we we get permission, so to speak, from our staff to speak into their lives personally, and that that is a, an important part of what it is that we do. And so, um, I know it, it's, it's done wonders with how people interact with us on a daily basis. And it's just, it's fun to see. It's fun to see, uh, the, the culture here, um, grow and, and hear what it is that, that our staff says. Well, I'm not, I'm not patting ourselves at the back. So, I mean, you know, don't, don't think that's what we're trying to do, but when I hear, let me back up a second. Start that sentence over, and that was a train wreck. Um, <laughs> it's interesting to work in an organization like this. this. Is the first place I've been a part of that has anything like the five by fifty. You have a team of people all working together to accomplish two things. Number one, they're all working together to accomplish the objectives that you have set out on an annual basis, and even more like you know, even the five to eight year plan that we've laid out, the vision that we've laid out for them. Right. But they have all also voluntarily because they don't have to do it, tied their life goals to each other's success. So they become each other's cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. No one wants to see anybody fail. And that, I'm telling you, Matt, without effort, without having to have policies, that cuts out the backbiting. That cuts out the gossip. I want you to succeed. I want Joe Blow to succeed because his success is directly tied to my life goals. It's not that I'm independent. It's not that I'm... I am ultimately responsible for me, but I'm not... It, it makes me second guess cutting cutting his feet out from underneath him to make myself look better. Because does that make sense? Like it, it just so it creates a culture of cohesion and unity and chemistry and bonding. Yep. To, to know that everyone in the company has tied their life goals to each other. Yeah. Frankly, it starts at the top. It has to. You have to. You have to lead by example, and you can't lead from behind. Right. Um, yeah. It's called pushing. Yeah. And nobody enjoys that. Yeah. Another thing uh, that I wanted to get to is. Um, the three F's fail, fulfill, fulfillment, fulfillment, and frustrated and frustrated. Um, I think 
Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure those yeah, are it. Yeah, those are it, aren't they? <laughs> I hope so. If those are what we're going with anyway. Yes, well, they are uh, now. <clears throat> those are what we use uh, more specifically what you use right. um, in a lot of your in a lot of your weekly coachings because that's what uh, uh, that's what that's what we call our meetings. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, is we are coaching our staff uh, to a level of excellence. We're not driving them. We're not pushing them. We're coaching them uh, in a direction that we want them to go. And so, explain the explain the three Fs because yeah. uh, they're they're an exciting and they're a very useful uh, tool to to a cultural shift. All right. So, I for for, for context for the audience purposes, um, the job I had right before Matt hired me was a minister. Okay, so I've been doing that for for, for quite some time. Uh, it's a very unique background. I think sometime, Matt, you and I should talk about our backgrounds, like how we ended up in the, you know. That'll come. Yeah. That'll come. <laughs> so what that means is when I'm sitting doing these these meetings, these coaching sessions, they all they always follow the same template. Like, okay, let's talk about your wins, because I think that's so important to celebrate, even in the midst of a failure. But what did you do right? Uh, that's important because you have to celebrate success. Right. Because, success. because with my, and what I've learned it with most most failures, only two percent of it was the failure that caused it to be a failure, and we can overemphasize that. Was it overall a failure? Yes, but you don't have to usually fix much to turn it into a success. It's something usually typically small. Ninety eight percent of the thing was actually done right. Let's celebrate that. Let's 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 really amp up that win, because I'm really concerned about how they feel. We yeah. ha- we do um, we haven't. I don't think we've talked about our seven laws yet, have we? No. Okay. But we'll 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 save those. Okay. That, we'll talk about that some other time. But it's it's really important that they be happy. Yeah. It'd be contented. Be enjoy enjoy their lives. And I, I don't want to I don't want to you don't like it and I don't like to be around people who are searching for something and how discontent they are. And so being being happy is really important to me. So when we're coaching and we're talking about areas of improvement and their wins and, and concerns that they have and, and the coaching session, um I want to know how they feel, yeah. how they're experiencing something. And that's where this, those three Fs come in because I want to know, do you feel like a failure? Let's talk about it. Let's, let's, let's find out actually what is the silver lining of this failure? What did we learn from it? Because if you learned, automatically it's no longer failure. I'm not a big fan of the success-failure paradigm. It's more like success and lessons learned. Um, yeah, it's not an either-or. Yeah. It's an and-both. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It's It's... It's it's kind of a that's for you, Russ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yes, and um, <laughs> uh, so that's that's part of that. Like, did you what did what did you feel throughout the midst of this failure? What did you learn from it? What can we do going forward? What will you what will you do different next time? And this let, let's come back to this. This is where I ask those questions, and I've heard you do it. You ask those questions without the answer. You don't have an answer they're supposed to be giving you. What will you do different next time? And honestly, listen, and then honestly take their opinions and run with it. They'll feel the value. So, and that comes back to that level of trust. Yeah. You know, when I give you something, I hired you, I hired you to do a job. I trust you to do it. Oh yeah. You know what we say? Trust or fire. I'm not going to trust or distrust. Love it. Love or leave it. Like, like, um, I know life's not always that binary, but there's some things that have to be like, I trust you or we're out. I'm not going to say here to micromanage you because that's just a toxic culture. Yeah. So yeah. So you have, you have the idea of failure. Then we obviously have the idea of fulfillment, which is what you're going for. Like how satisfied are you with your job? Do you feel, are you fulfilled? Are you, and the reason why for me that fulfillment is such a better um, measuring stick outcomes to measure than like say success is, is because your new people who are still in training from day one, 
can experience fulfillment, but they're not going to necessarily experience success. So if you tie what they're doing and their value to their success, again, they're, they're going to get discouraged right. and frustrated yep. your very bo- quickly. Your bottom line now trumps them as humans. Yep. And so are you fulfilled? Because if they're fulfilled, they're going to keep digging in. They're going to roll their sleeves up. When something happens, they're going to get after it. They're going to own their mistakes. They're going to openly offer opinions, no matter how dumb or brilliant it might be. They're going to offer it, knowing that you respect them. And they're going to, that, that's what fulfillment brings. They, they're going to go home happy. Yeah. I love hearing that. I love hearing from spouses, girlfriends, boyfriends, children, that mom, dad is happier. They come home enjoying, um, you know, and you'll hear that. I, I, you probably heard that. I've heard it at Christmas parties, at company gatherings, like, man, so-and-so is just so happy. Um, I'm not patting myself on the back because I'm just one of many people around here. It's a, it's, a, it's a holistic thing. And so we want people to be fulfilled because that allows anybody at any level to experience that. You don't have to be successful or knowledgeable. And then the last one is the frustrated. And that's this is maybe the one I take the most seriously because it, it can, again, Go back to our word. It can be really toxic. If they just sit there and you don't address it and, and they don't feel free and safe to open up about a frustration because like the new people, their frustration has to do with their inexperience and fear that of reprisal or whatever it is if a mistake is made, whatever, whatever it might be in our industry. Uh, but we want them to open up for the experienced people. The frustration is usually with the inexperienced people. Right. <laughs> it's right. just like, or, you know, like... And, and they, need to, they need to know that just like anything that builds up steam, builds up pressure, it needs to vent. Mm. And they need to do it appropriately. And appropriate venting is not just to the appropriate person necessarily. It's also in the appropriate manner. And, and honestly, this is where our coaching comes in. It's funny, I was sitting last week with one of, one of the team members uh, who's relatively new to the weekly meetings because of the future plans we have for this individual. Right. And they were like, Man, why does this feel like half business coaching, half therapy? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it, it, because it's a it's that level of uh, it's that level of caring again that we we want to see them succeed, which is why we want them to feel fulfilled, which is why we want them to try and fail. Um, we don't want them to fail backwards. We want them to fail forwards. As long as you're falling forward, you know how not to do it, and you're still moving forward. Um, you're allowed to feel all three of the F's. The last one, frustrated, you're allowed to feel it, but you're not allowed to hang out there very long. Oh, yeah, that's so destructive to sit there. I mean, obviously failure is destructive to sit there too, but and that, I, to me, that's come back to ownership management. Don't wait for them to, to, to move off of that point. Help them move off of it. Yeah. Open, create that safe space, that zone, and you do it with your attitude. You do it with your heart. Yeah. You know, I, I always... I think you got to lead with your head and your heart. I mean, you got to make you got to make your decisions, especially on the numbers based upon your head. But you cannot remove the human element from it, right? Like I going back to this, these are people; these are humans. They have something to live for, and I think kind of to me, it makes sense to tie these things together: the five by fifties and all of them, the, the, the failure and the and the frustrated, you know, the fulfillment. You tie them all together, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It um, it it. It's important uh, to be involved in your customers or your customers. Um, you want to be involved in your customers' uh, interactions as well. Uh, you want you always, as a business owner, you want to keep an eye on that as well. You always want to have your pulse on it. But your again, your front line drives your bottom line. 
So what happens then when you try to hijack that? What happens when a business owner, I know we've talked a lot about being employee first um, in this in just a quick couple minutes. Um, and, and I think you see our bias as to what we believe you should be as a business owner um, or, or as a business and what philosophy you should take. Um, but what happens when a business focuses on the customer and they're, and they're so customer driven, what happens um, at oh. that point in time? What does it look like? Oh man, I got so many thoughts. <laughs> we should come into these things with notes. Um, let me see if I can remember some of these things. I was, what you were just talking, I was thinking about them. Um, okay. So let me come back to what happens in my opinion, just my opinion of what happens, but to start with the reason you do this, the reason you take care of your employees is because it frees them up emotionally and mentally to take care of somebody else. Yes. Like, my, again, my opinion, having worked in several small businesses, it feels like the employees are there to take care of themselves. And that's normal. I, th- I think a lot of businesses run that way. It's every man for himself. But if you liberate them, if you free them, but you say, I'll take care of you. I got you. I got you back. We're going we're gonna to figure this out together. And they know they're safe. It frees them up mentally and emotionally to go take care of somebody else. And that somebody else is their family. That somebody else is their friends. And here's where it comes back to business. That somebody else is the customer. Absolutely. And that's, that is how businesses grow and scale. Right. And here's, here's what, here's what, in my opinion, here's what that looks like just from our own industry. If somebody messes up, right. One of the field technicians messes up and, and, and blows it. They don't feel a need to hide it because they know you got their back. You're going to take care of them and you're going to make sure everything is covered. And so they immediately take care of the customer. So, you know what, we're going to make this right. And here's what's going to happen. Even if you disagree with the decision they made, the customer is much happy because they don't want excuses. They want solutions. Right. And so your employee is not afraid of creating a solution because you haven't established a culture of micromanagement and fear by, you know, first you take care of them that frees them to take care of someone else, your customer. Now, I think if you you go back to your question about if you hijack the process, you're telling your, your employee that the customer is more important, the one than they are as a person Two, it creates an accusatory nature. I mean, how many, how many small business leaders, I wonder, how many small business leaders, when the customer calls in angry, automatically jumped to accusational thoughts about their team member? Yeah. They automatically side with the customer, thinking the customer's always right. And then, how many times, I can't tell you how many times I've done this. I do, I'm, I'm a hypocrite. Yeah. I try not to let it come out of my mouth. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. The thought is still right. there. I'm working right. on my thought process because I want my thoughts to be very pro employee as well. And, and most people aren't very good. At thinking things and not letting it come out their face, right? Yeah, <laughs> not their, not necessarily their mouth, yeah, that's me. but their face. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so you know, the customer calls in and they're kind of irate about something that happens, and an employee did this, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and then how many times do you hear the employee side? It's like, oh, that's it. That that's all that happened, or or no, that's what you're supposed to do. They're actually upset about something I told you to do. You see, that makes yeah. sense. And so it can create very accusatory tone right from the get-go. And again, you ever been into a meeting that starts accusatory? Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? It starts that way. You, you just Everybody shuts down. Walls go up yep. and brains shut down. Yep. And ears get closed. It, yep. You're not even going to do anything. Um, and then, then the third thing is I think it, it, it 
if your employee is trying to handle it and then you step in as the owner, as the manager and take care of it, and you think it's your job to clean up all those PR things and figure it out and fix everything, that tells your employer that you don't trust them, that they're your employee, that you don't trust them, that they're not good enough, that they can't, they're not competent to handle it. And you really just set a ceiling. Yeah. You set a ceiling. You do basically what I say, don't take the initiative. And then you're back to a company where your employees don't take the initiative and, and you're stuck doing everything and you're stuck doing everything and you're not going to grow. You're not going to scale. Right. You're, you're, and so I think those three things happen. Yeah. I mean, why hire somebody if you're going to hijack what it is that they do? I constantly have conversations of, I trust in your abilities to make the right decision. If you make the wrong one, let me know how you fixed it. it again, it's okay to fail. As long as you're failing forward, you fix the problem. Now you know how it doesn't work. Now, if you keep making the same, the same decision over and over and over again, that's a different discussion. That's a different, that's a different coaching. That is, that is a different, but it's still not a, it's still not a, you did this, you did this, you did this. And so I'm taking it back from you. No, it's still your job. Yeah. We're not talking about repeat offenses. Yeah. We're talking about initial interaction when something happens that, that. You know, they say you only get one chance to make a good first impression. It's not true. Every with every single instance that happens, with every single not anymore thing, with every single thing that happens, there is a first impression for that thing. Does that make sense? Because every interaction is different. So you take a field technician, you have that initial interaction when they walk through the door looking for employment, they, what they think of you and what you think of them, and then you have the first day on the job. What's your first impression of them as now a hired employee, first day on the job? Now they're they're done their apprenticeship. So what's your first impression of them as as a lead technician flying solo on their own? Does that make sense? Now what's your first impression of them in this conflict situation and mm-hmm. how they handle it? Does that make sense? So that's kind of there's a lot in my opinion, there's a lot of first impressions, and that's what we're talking about. When when the angry customer calls in, disgruntled, discontented, who do you side with first? That's gotta be your employee. And that'll yeah, that'll tell that'll tell your employees and, and, and as that goes. So goes your company. Mm-hmm. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. I think that about wraps up what we wanted to talk about today. You know, obviously, I think throughout the course of this podcast, you got an idea of our bias as to what direction you think small businesses need to take, especially if you want to grow and scale. It's not that you're not, uh, that you don't care about your customers, right. that you're that you're not customer focused because you are. Uh, I, I believe you're even more customer focused when you're more focused on your employees um, because they are better taken care of um, on your on your front end. And I'll say it again, your front end, your front line drives your bottom line. Well, well right. And I'm just going to throw a couple of things out there. Yoga. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's crazy. It's like, <laughs> what, you're talking about yoga. Like the two times it's we don't pay them. Nope. But we, we pay the teacher to come to our facility twice a week. And teach yoga, and that's a that's pretty expensive. And she's pretty she's a high level teacher, um, and she she comes and she she leads the class. And we're all we're all just beginners. We're all rubes at it, you know. She has a good laugh at our expense, um, but we care about their health. It, it's funny when we go to our association expo, and we tell people that we do. Yeah, we do yoga. <laughs> we do yoga. That we get a lot of funny looks. Well, you know, and like like just the, the I mean, there it, there's more to it. Than just what we talked about. I mean, because obviously there's a lot of encouraging them and being a part of what they do after hours, you know, and stuff like that. The way they interact with each other, the 
letting them letting them have a sense of free, of freedom. I mean, I, I've seen it from you. You have no problem letting them laugh at you, uh, and it's important, you know, letting them laugh, uh, having enjoying enjoying the, enjoying the workspace. Yeah, all those things factor into them knowing that you value them, and then again, they pass that value on to the customer. Awesome. Well, this has been fun. I enjoy the heck out of doing this stuff. So, yeah. um, again, um, thank you everybody for, for listening to the first one. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy the second one, um, of these. If you do, uh, please leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, and then also, uh, if you think anybody can benefit from the information in this, uh, please spread the word, uh, that this thing is out there. Um, just, just getting started. And so would really, would really appreciate your guys's support and, um, also help in getting, getting this thing out there. So, and then also it was brought up to me by Jonathan. I need to come up with a tagline. And so I'm throwing this out there for everybody that's listening. Let me know what I should come up with for a tagline and, uh, I'll take it into consideration. So, uh, until next time. Catch y'all later.